that's what we're waiting for in AI. We're waiting for someone that takes this stuff and does it way outside the box and takes us all to a new level. It's helping us learn. It's helping us get good at what we do. Now, do you have what it takes to take it to that other level? It's easy to get lost in today's music industry with constantly changing technology and where anyone with a computer can release their own music. But I'm gonna share with you why this is the best time to be an independent musician and it's only getting better. If you have high quality music, but you just don't know the best way to promote yourself so that you can reach the right people and generate a sustainable income with your music, we're gonna show you the best strategies that we're using right now to reach millions of new listeners every month without spending 10 hours a day on social media. We're creating a revolution in today's music industry, and this is your invitation to join me. I'm your host, Michael Walker. All right, so I'm excited to be here today with Bobby Ozinski. So Bobby is a best-selling author in the music industry, has 24 books, ranging from the Mixing Engineer's Handbook, Social Media Promotion for Musicians, and the Music Business Advice Book. He's appeared on CNN and ABC News as a music branding audio expert. Recently, he produced and mixed an album that hit number two on Billboard Blues chart. And he also has a podcast that's in its ninth year with over 400 episodes focused on the music industry. And we were talking a little bit backstage. We were really excited to geek it out a little bit because we're going to talk a little bit more about AI and specifically as it relates to music production, which is a thing that Bobby knows a thing or two about. Bobby, thanks so much for taking the time to come on here today. Thanks for having me, Michael. Glad to be here. Awesome. Maybe to start things out, we could talk a little bit about your background in the industry and how you found yourself to this point and discovered what we're going to talk about during this conversation with the AI production tools. Briefly, I started out like most people in the industry as a player. I was a guitar player for a long time on the road in the studio, then transitioned to just the studio as a producer, mixer, engineer, and then fell into writing about it. And first it was for magazines, dozen or so, and then it started with books. Uh, Mixing Engineer's Handbook being the first one, and then it went on from there. Now, today, I'm also producing online courses and started first with uh, lynda.com, LinkedIn Learning, and then uh, branched out to do them on my own. With that being said, you have to, at least I have to, stay on top of whatever is the latest new development, especially technological in the business. And part of this is because my books are used in colleges all over the world. It's demanded that I revise them every two, three years or so, which means that I really have to look and see what is the latest in the industry. What are people doing? And I try to keep up anyway because I'm really interested. But that goes in my books, and that kind of leads us to AI, one of the reasons why I got into it was, yes, it's brand new. How do you use it for music production? And then I found that I was very attracted to the technology for some reason. I just found it really interesting and got deeper and deeper into it from a tech standpoint and also from a user standpoint. So that's what brings us to today. Now I'm developing a course and a book on AI for music production. Cool. Yeah, I can't wait to read that book. And it, certainly 
gosh, like the, the keeping up with all of the new developments that keep happening. And especially as it relates to AI, it seems where the exponential curve is starting to really ramp up. But I would love to hear from your perspective, because I have so much respect for how long you've been doing this for and for how many shifts you've seen the music industry go through. And so you've seen big revolutions that happen with the internet and with different things related to music production with DAWs and digital workstations. And so I'm curious when it comes to AI and music production, what's your mindset around it as an opportunity for musicians? And what do you see as being the thing right now that might hold people back from really going all in and learning the tools? What holds people back is the perception that they won't be able to be creative with it. And everybody mm -hmm. thinks, oh, this is going to do everything for me. And it can, but it gives you a mediocre result. It really needs the human touch. And it was just described by Jeff Walker, our friend or mutual friend recently in a seminar that he gave that it will take you from a blank page if you're in a college course from an F to a C and it needs you to go from a C to an A. And I think that's the thing that you that has to be impressed upon everybody that this is only a tool. It only gets you so far and then it's up to you to go to the rest of the way. Absolutely. Yeah, seeing it as a way to amplify your creativity or buy back your time. And if you, it's like, if you're going to, if you have a goal to do something and let's say we're using the analogy of like cutting down a tree, then you could cut down the tree with a hacksaw or the handsaw, or if you had a chainsaw, that was like, you could do it in significantly less time. It doesn't necessarily mean the chainsaw is going to do it itself. In fact, it's really important that it has like an operator or someone that kind of knows what they're doing with it. But that, that's really helpful to, to hear and kind of reiterate that point that you're bringing up is that this doesn't necessarily replace you. It's actually, it amplifies your ability to do what you do best. The other thing yeah. it does, it makes you more efficient and makes everything go faster. And frankly, as someone who teaches people how to mix and get better at mixing, I'm always for anything that will make that process go faster because it can be boring. Back in the day, it was not uncommon to spend days and days on a mix. And it would be really expensive because you're doing it in a big studio. And now still that can happen, but it's less expensive because you're doing it in your home studio. But you don't want to spend that much time. I mean, really, it, the more time you spend, the more chance you have of going down a rabbit hole and not really progressing, just making things different instead of better. So I'm for anything that could cut to the chase and make things good as soon as possible, and then just some tweaks and we're done. And AI, I think, is getting us in that ballpark. It's not quite there yet, but it's getting us there. Very cool. So as it relates to AI with music production, I'm curious to hear about some of the tools that are available right now from like a landscape point of view. What are some of the big movements or some of the big opportunities that are happening right now with AI and music production? There's more happening on the production and the composition area than there is on in the mixing area. There's some very good tools that have actually been around for a while, and that's most of the things by Isotope, Ozone, and Neutron, for instance, Neoverb is another one. And they've been out for a while. The thing about it is, most people don't use the AI 
teacher in it. And I think it's because they're, they don't really understand what it is, but that's what makes everything go and go fast and make that those particular plugins really work well. But that being said, they've been around for a while. Now, there's a whole list, and we're just talking about, let's say, mixing, mastering. There's a whole list of other AI tools, AI plugins and whatever. And you look at them and you go, mm, okay, where's the AI? You say it's there. It doesn't allow me to interact in a way that AI usually does. That has me scratching my head on a lot of these, but there are some, the Sonable makes some really good stuff. It's, again, it, EQ, compressor, uh, reverb, that they work incredibly well. Now, if we switch over to the production side, there's a number of tools that can help you. Now, that being said, sometimes the results are pitiful. It's a type of thing that if you're not a musician, you go, wow, this is great. If you're a musician, you go, why? So I look at most of those tools as this is a good way for me to get some ideas. I'm stuck. I need some ideas. Hit me. And that's the level that we're seeing now. When you talk about copying, okay, make me a song that sounds like Drake. It's really good. It's good to a point. You listen to it and you go, that sounds a lot like Drake or Paul McCartney. There was just some good Beatles ones that came out. And it sounds good, but you know what? The fidelity is not that great. So that kind of defeats the purpose. And there's some glitches. And so people are wowed with the technology. But when you really dig into it, you go, hey, that's not what people are hyping it to be in a lot of ways. And, yeah, and, and don't get me wrong, I'm sounding negative about AI, and I'm not at all. I'm just saying you have to understand where it sits in the grand scheme of things. All right, let's take a quick break from the podcast so I can tell you about a free special offer that we're doing right now exclusively for our podcast listeners. So if you get a ton of value from the show, but you want to take your music career to the next level, connect with a community of driven musicians, and connect with the music mentors directly that we have on this podcast, or if you just want to know the best way to market your music and grow an audience right now, then this is going to be perfect for you. So right now we're offering a free two-week trial to our music mentor coaching program. And if you sign up in the show notes below, you're going to get access to our entire music mentor content vault for free. The vault's organized into four different content pillars. The first being the music, then the artist, the fans, and last but not least, the business. When you sign up, you'll unlock our best in-depth masterclasses from a network of world-class musicians and industry experts on the most cutting-edge strategies right now for growing your music business. On top of that, you'll get access to our weekly live masterminds where our highest level modern musician coaches teach you exactly what they're doing to make an income and an impact with their music. Then once a month, we're gonna have our Music Mentor Spotlight Series. And that's where we're gonna bring on some of the world's biggest and best artist coaches and successful musicians to teach you what's working right now and one of the most amazing parts is that you can get your questions answered live by these top level music mentors. So a lot of the people that you hear right here on the podcast are there live interacting with you personally. So imagine being able to connect with them directly. On top of all that, you'll get access to our private music mentor community 
And this is definitely one of my favorite parts of Music Mentor and, and maybe the most valuable is that you're gonna have this, this community where you can network with other artists and link up, collaborate, ask questions, get support, and discuss everything related to your music career. So if you're curious and you wanna take advantage of the free trial, then go click on the link in the show notes right now and you can sign up for free. Uh, from there, you can check out all of the amazing content, uh, connect with the community, and sign up for the live masterclasses that happen every week. This is a gift for listening to our podcast, supporting the show. Um, so don't miss it out. Go sign up for free now and uh, let's get back to our interview. That totally makes sense. So it sounds like what you're saying is that the way to be successful using AI right now and using it for music production isn't looking for a magic pill or a magic button. You just press the button and it's all done. But instead, using it as a way to as a tool to amplify what you're already doing. And right now, the people who are going to be the most successful with it are the people who are bringing their expertise and bringing their wisdom and bringing the human element of it and not just letting it do everything. Because right now, it isn't at a point where it's good enough to just do everything on its own. It's like you, you mentioned, it brings it up to from an F to a C, for example, on its own. Really interesting. It goes beyond that because there's some ethical considerations here. And already we're finding, for instance, the platforms like TuneCore will not accept a 100% AI-generated song. We've already decided that. And we're seeing that AI-generated songs that don't contain any element of a human, they're being pulled down off of Spotify and off of all the streaming services. Recently, there was also a ruling by the U.S. Copyright Office. Now, it's guidance, because it's not a law yet, but it's basically saying, unless a human is involved, it's not copyrightable. So if it's not copyrightable, you can't make money from it. (laughs) So you look at it and you go, okay, I want to make money from my music, and I better do something with this in order to facilitate that. Wow, that's so interesting. So basically, there needs to be a human touch. And I feel like where it's it kind of shades of gray, it goes like, I put, I touched it. I, like, I put my yeah. pinky on it. <laughs> it's yeah, like, yeah, okay, right. it, now it's copyrightable. But it sounds based on what you just said that someone, a programmer, couldn't just say, I'm going to integrate with AI and I'm going to have it generate the, these songs for me. But they couldn't legally copyright that, even though they had written the code to create those songs right now, unless they actually do something with it human wise. There's the gray area that hasn't been figured out. Who owns the copyright? Is it the programmer? Is it the platform that it was done on? Is it the training material that was used? And already we're seeing some movement that way. Is it the user who who prompted it? Or any combination of those? And that hasn't been worked out yet. It, we're starting to see court cases that are going to set precedence on it. And they're happening now. There's a bunch of really big ones. But that being said, it's still a big gray area. Yeah, it's a, it's so fascinating. When you break down how we as humans write music and how we learn, obviously we have influences and we have little pieces of characteristics and DNA that come from things. And it'd be really interesting if there was a way to analyze myself and be like, Michael Walker and Modern Musician is 0.79% Jeff Walker product launch formula (laughs) and be able to kind of see our influences because it's very true that there's a lot, we stand on the shoulder of giants and we have our mentors and our mentors, like there's a certain like DNA of sorts that kind of propagates from our influences, but it's not quite as clear cut because we don't fully understand how our brains work in some ways, I think that, that drive those. Whereas with computers, it's like very realistic you say yeah this was training data of this thing so yeah i wonder if there's a and then there's also this like emergent property that's happening where in some cases it seems like 
the AI tool is actually linking the dots in ways that transcend just pulling directly from this training data in a similar way that our brains have this emergent property and we can create a new property from underlying data. So it's a super interesting one. Yeah, that's the neural network actually. And the hierarchy is we have AI and a subdivision of that is machine learning. And then a subdivision of that is neural networks. And then a subdivision of that is deep learning. And deep learning is basically how many layers in a neural network do you have? But the neural network, what it does, and most AI now has a neural network involved. What it does, if it's a word, for instance, it predicts what the next one should be. So for lyrics, for instance, it's already looked at maybe a million or a couple million songs and the lyrics of songs. So it thinks that, okay, you just wrote these two words. So the, the next one should be this one. And then after that, there should be another one. Now, that being said, you can always say, I don't like that, and do it again, and we'll come up with a different version the next time, and the next time after that, and the next time. But they'll all be logical, because it's predicting it. So interesting. Yeah, as it relates to that topic with the predictive nature of like ChatGPT and how it comes up, one thing that I think is interesting, how do our brains function? They're essentially like, predictive models to a certain extent. Like this conversation that we're having, the exact words that I'm saying, I'm not like reading from a script or like I know the entire sentence before I say it. In fact, it's like very much so one word at a time. It's these thoughts are being strung together in a way that's coherent. And it's coherent because you know, afterwards you can look back and be like, yeah, he spoke a sentence. But in the middle of it, there is a lot of predictive intelligence that's just predicting the next word in my sentence, even though I didn't, I wasn't thinking that far ahead, like, you know, to think what the sentence, how the sentence was going to end. So that's also interesting to play into account. But see, there's more to it than that, because you're just focusing on the one sense, but there's all the other senses that are going on. You're hearing yourself and that's influencing everything you're seeing maybe something on paper you're seeing me you're seeing influences around the room you're touching something you're feeling that and all those are all different pathways that are influencing you now that's the whole thing that people don't understand about ai ai is really good at getting a lot of that but it's not good at all at getting all of it so when people get scared about AI taking over the world and becoming cognizant and everything, it has to get to that point where it's predicting all of our senses. Hmm. And it's not there yet, not even close. So it can get to one sense, and even that is multiple layers. Yeah, it's, it's so interesting. It's interesting. I've seen from, a, from the perspective of robotics how there's certain things that we can do as humans that you wouldn't think are that hard or complex to do. Like a baby can reach out and grab a Cheerio and eat a Cheerio. But there's certain things like that that are incredibly complex or require an intense amount of intelligence for computers to be able to do. And for a robot to reach out and grab a Cheerio and grab it, it's possible now if they have a very fine-tuned model, but it's way more complicated than you would think to do things. So I, to your point, I think it's there, there's so much wisdom in that, that there's so much that we do in this intelligence 
that comprises our bodies and our minds and our brains. And on, at the same time, there's certain aspects of digital intelligence that for obviously like way surpass our human intelligence for certain things like doing math. <laughs> there's no way I'm going to beat a computer at doing an intense calculation. So it is going to be like, where do those things converge? Where can we bring in those human elements that are so intelligent, but the computers can't do, and then vice versa and merging them into maybe one tool. I just read something the other day about that. And basically it was computers like to fail. AI likes to fail because it learns from it. Where for us, we get frustrated. We do something, let's say it's a math problem and it, it doesn't work. We do it a second time, a third time, and then we go, oh, I don't think I'm going to get this. A computer will do it a hundred times until it gets it and it will learn all the way. And then it, it won't, I shouldn't say computer AI, a neural network will figure it out eventually. And it doesn't like it, dislike it. It just does it. <laughs> For us, we have the, the element of, oh, I'm bored or I have self-doubt about this. I'm not good enough or those things. AI doesn't have it. That's really true. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's, coming back to this topic of music production and AI, <clears throat> I'm curious what you found or some of the other like tools or interesting movements that are happening right now. You mentioned that right now, some of the mixing and the mastering, like there's plugins. And what would be really helpful too, yeah, I think that maybe you've comprised like a list of some of these tools and kind of resources as it relates to different like plugins that use AI and whatnot. So we can talk a little bit more about that later because super valuable. But I'd be curious right now what you've seen happening in terms of some of the tools that if someone right now is listening to this or watching this and they're a producer and they're like, you know what, I've been sitting on the fence for long enough. I want to dive into this AI thing. I want to kind of learn how I can use it as a musician and as a creator, a producer of my music. How would you recommend that they get started with that? The easiest way and you can prompt yourself from, and I'm just going to stay in, in the area that I know really well, and that's mixing and mastering, whatever. M mastering is fairly easy because there are great AI tools available that have been around for a while. Lander, for instance, Cloud Bounce is another one, eMastered. They're all AI-based. And Lander was the first one. Lander, for instance, when it first started, it got a really bad rap. Oh, it's not good as whatever. But after millions of tracks, it's learned and it's really good now. So that's a really good place to start. I want to get my song mastered. Let's do it. And you can do it yourself, but the real problem is you probably can't. Everybody thinks they can. I have this tool. But when I get mastering engineers on my podcast... I ask every single one of them, how long did it take you before you got good? And the average is about five years of doing it every single day. So if you think you're going to sit down and master something in your room, you know, that you just learn this tool, it's probably not going to be better. Chances are it's going to be worse. So the easiest way is just go to one of those services and use it. And you can tweak them. So it's AI, but it gives you a lot of tweakability. Another possibility is there's some really good tools out there. Isotope tools are fantastic. Sonable makes really good ones, and they actually have a line, the pure line. It's pure limit, pure comp, and those are fairly inexpensive and very easy to use that will give you great results really fast. So those are a couple of places that you can jump right in, and it can get you going. 
But remember that the real secret here is, it's just like all AI, it's only as good as what you ask it to do. So if you give it an incomplete prompt, and ChatGPT, for instance, or Bing AI, you give it an incomplete prompt or something that doesn't have enough detail, then you're not going to get the answer back that you want. You have to give it enough detail of exactly what you want. So with these audio AI tools, it's much the same thing. It has to learn what it has first. Here's your song, learn this, and it takes eight seconds. And then it figures it out and then it gives you all the suggestions of what should happen. But that's where people go wrong. They don't use that tool and or they just use a universal tool. Oh, this is a rock song. This is an EDM song. And they use that general tool so they get something that doesn't exactly fit for them. So again, it's only as good as the information that you're giving it. Really great point. Yeah. So it sounds like what you're saying is that like anything in life, really, like the art of asking the right question is a superpower, <laughs> particularly when it comes to prompt-based AI tools, because if you give, if you ask a general question, you're probably going to get a general answer. But if you ask a very specific question and you ask a good question, then you're going to get an actual response. It is interesting how that also relates to just non-AI world and just like our human intelligence and learning how to ask the right question is such a superpower. There's something that you can do if you're using it for marketing, for instance, and the end of a prompt, you can either put, do you understand, just to make sure that it does, and you're not getting a hallucination. Hallucination is a kind of an off-the-wall response. Hmm. Or you can say, be very concrete and tangible with your answer. And sometimes just that alone will take a lot of the fluff out of the answer and give you just that. Super smart. Yeah. So adding that little tip. Yeah. And this is such an important, I think, point that we're talking about right now around prompt engineering, but basically like the idea of those little tips and tricks, like learning how to interact with it. So it sounds like one of those little shortcuts is saying specifically, make this as concrete and tangible as possible. And a lot of times that's going to make something more concrete and tangible, which can yeah. be very helpful for using it. Another way to do it is to start off and say, imagine I'm a six-year-old. How would you explain this to me? It will clarify the answer in such a way that even if you find the subject to be very opaque, it will clarify it for you. It does work. The other thing is if you use Bing AI, the, Bing AI is very good. And the reason why it's connected to the Internet, so it's getting all the latest information. ChatGPT is not. So the training material is only up to last year. You're not getting really up-to-date info. It might be plenty for what you need, but it might not either. But with Bing AI, what you're able to do is you can go in and you can say, give me a professional response, give me a funny response, give me a casual response and it will write it out like that. We'll write it very professionally. It will write it very casually or more will do it in a funny way. So th those are all variations as well that are very interesting and very unique and usable. Super cool. Yeah. This is also a good segue or a good reminder for anyone who's here right now in street team, but under the tab artist AI, you can come in and you can play around with this tool that's included uh, for free in street team. 
And it essentially is like a version of ChatGPT and Bing AI, and it's built on OpenAI. So it's built on the same foundation as those AI tools, but it's fine-tuned for you as a musician. So it can be a little bit more tailored to what you're looking for. So maybe this would be a fun kind of demo or something to play around with, like with the two of us. So like yeah. we're talking about prompt engineering. One, one thing that I found re really helpful is if I don't know what the right prompt should be, then sometimes I'll ask it to help me come up with a good prompt. Yeah. And then it'll, it'll actually give you some, like some tips or it'll help you. I'll be like, ask me questions to help you write. Like, I want you to write a bio for me, for my artist career. Can you ask me a list of questions so that you can create a bio? And then I'll ask good questions. We're like, okay, great. What would be a good example that we could potentially use for as it relates to music production or music mixing or composition? I'll give you one that's more relatable to maybe your audience. Let's say that you're an artist that has some success and you want to come out with a line of merch, but you're not sure exactly what to do. But what you could say is, I want to come out with this line of merch, but I'm not sure what it should comprise or what, how it should be comprised. Can you write a survey that I can send out to my customers, to my audience, to my followers, that would ask them exactly what they're looking for when it comes to merch, and especially from me? There we go. Wow. Now, if you don't like those at the end, I'm not sure if your implementation allows you to ask again. Yep, it has context on it, so we can yeah. go back and forth. But I actually just did this. I used it yesterday. I asked it to come up with a survey for me for this particular course that's coming up, this AI course, just to find out what people know about AI, what they don't. These are my followers. These are on my list. And what they're looking for, and just a little bit of demographic information. Now, I had to tweak it, but it was still pretty good and it was very usable. It's like, okay, I can use this, I won't use that, I can use this. And I got an excellent response. So it would have taken me hours to come up with these survey questions. And anybody that's ever done a survey knows that there's a lot that goes into it. This is just an easy way of getting past it. And again, getting information that you can use right away. Super cool. That's a great example. I've never seen seen it used in this way to generate the survey questions to ask. But yeah, this is super smart. And asking people what they want is almost always the right first step to creating something that can provide them what they actually want. Awesome. And I wonder if we wanted to like iterate on this. Let's say that we, I want my merchandise to involve AI themes. Can you give me some ideas? This will be interesting. I'm not really not yeah. giving a whole lot. Okay. I think there's going to be a copyright problem in some of these, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it is funny. One of the limitations, it seems, of this AI, you mentioned it earlier, is around fabrication or hallucination. Yeah. It's really funny. So one of the applications that, that we've built with the AI is in the form of an AI chatbot service that can have like really well-articulated conversations with new fans. And we had to build in a mechanism to fix this because it kept doing this thing where it, it would, every once in a while, it would, it would come up with a totally fictitious name for a song. You'll probably like my song, like, Running in Iceland. 
but it wouldn't be wrong. It would be something that actually sounded like legit. It would be like, oh, like that sounds like a song. And it, sometimes we even provide a link. It's here's the link. And people would click on it and be like, this link doesn't work. Also, I don't think that's a real song. <laughs> yeah. But for me, I was like, man, like maybe I should write a song about that. That's it's pretty, that's but it's funny. Hallucination, as they would call it. So interesting. Yeah. Yeah. This is cool stuff. It's, again, it's tool. And you just have to learn how to use the tool. Just Pro Tools or Logic or any of those are tools. You have to learn them. Absolutely. And I think the approach that you're recommending is so spot on in terms of there's always this tendency, at least it seems like there's this tendency whenever there's a new technology or something big that's pretty disruptive where there's a hype and excitement around it and sometimes there's a bubble that can kind of like pop. But then there's also a lot of resistance generally to it and a lot of wanting to downplay it or saying that's not like that it's not that smart because xyz and then like it like you to mention lander is like when it first came out it's oh yeah like it's cool but it's, it can't really do anything and then it's like wow it got better it got smart but it definitely seems approaching it in acknowledging that there is a bit of a bias towards not wanting to use something new being willing to <laughs> kind of like swim along with the wave that's coming so you can catch the wave and get that momentum as it crests i think is really important yeah, again, like we said before, I think one of the big problems here is people read some of the hype, uh, and especially about it taking over everybody's job as a writer and all those things. But really, it's a tool. It's going to give you mediocre results and maybe even better than mediocre, good results, but it's not going to give you great results. Shelly Palmer, do you know who Shelly Palmer is? He's a tech guy. He's, a, he's the tech guy on TV in the New York area, I think on ABC Channel 7. But he has a, a newsletter, and he's always on the cutting edge, and he's always on AI, on about AI, has some good classes on it. But he's also a musician. He made his living before he did that, writing jingles. So hmm. he comes from our world. But he had a really interesting take on it. And his take was... Everybody steals from everybody else when you're learning. It's part of the learning process. So if you're learning how to play guitar, you're picking out 10 guitarists and you're learning their licks. Eventually, we get really good at it. And the people that are just really good at it, they don't stand out above the crowd. They're just really good at copying this stuff. Every once in a while, you have a genius that thinks outside the box takes all this data and then just jumps to a different level. And that's what we're waiting for in AI. We're waiting for someone that takes this stuff and does it way outside the box and takes us all to a new level. But you can also think of, here's AI, it's helping us, it's helping us learn, it's helping us get good at what we do. Now, do you have what it takes to take it to that other level? Man, so good. Yeah. yeah, it actually gave me some goosebumps as you were talking there. My mind went to was Steve Jobs and his famous speech around think different, like the whole mantra of think different and that famous commercial that's all about the icons and about it's it's the square pegs and the round holes. Like those are the people who change the world because yeah. they people think they're crazy and they think differently. They're the ones that create disruption and change and certainly relevant to this conversation and what you're saying right now about AI. Yeah, it's a powerful tool and you can use it to amplify your message, but ultimately it's 
actually thinking differently. It's that taking that and making it your own is really where true genius is born. Yeah, that's right. You have to learn first. And how do you learn? You learn by copying your influencers. Mm, it's true. Yeah, that's such an important lesson too that to bring home, I think, is because a lot of times as musicians or artists, especially, we might feel like there's something wrong with being influenced or modeling or referencing other musicians that you look up to. And we feel like, no, you know, I have to be 100% original and there's nothing else that you can't describe my sound in words. But yeah, just the willingness to learn from your influences and to, to model, but balancing that with what you just talked about with, with bringing your own taste to it. I've heard it described before, like you emulate and then you innovate. So like mm. first you just find out what's working, what people spent tens of thousands of hours figuring out the current state. And then you take that and you innovate to make it your own. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. Yeah, I didn't come up with it. I'm emulating and <laughs> I need to come, I need, now I need to innovate. What's the new way to say that? Yeah. AI, quick, come here. Help me say that in new ways. <laughs> you know, it's so funny too. If we came here, we just like, and we asked it, can you create 10 different variations of this phrase? Oh, that's good. Yeah. Of the phrase uh, emulate, then innovate. I don't see anything pretty, there that pretty, jumps out at me. But it's... Nothing on the level of emulate, then innovate. And that oh, one's just so short and catchy. Yeah. Less than four words only. One? How do you create, improve, adapt? I guess I didn't ask it to give me 10 more. <laughs> I was just like, yeah, just right. copy, create, improve, adapt. That's pretty good though. That's, that's a pretty good little catchphrase. All right, cool. Totally original, copywritten thought. Yeah. I own the creation of this. <laughs> you and open AI. <laughs> yeah, then back into the can worms around right. ownership and royalties. Got to figure that one out. Hey, Bobby, dude, this is one of my favorite things to talk about. And like I mentioned, I really appreciate the perspective that you bring to the conversation. And thank you for taking the time to come on here live to share some of the insights and lessons you've learned in the current state of AI as it relates to music and production. Thanks for having me, Michael. Hey, it's Michael here. I hope that you got a ton of value out of this episode. Make sure to check out the show notes to learn more about our guest today. And if you want to support the podcast, then there's a few ways to help us grow. First, if you hit subscribe, then that'll make sure you don't miss a new episode. Secondly, if you share it with your friends or on your social media, tag us. That, that really helps us out. And third, uh, best of all, if you leave us an honest review, it's going to help us reach more musicians like you who want to take their music careers to the next level. The time to be a modern musician is now, and I look forward to seeing you on our next episode. 